0: Of Lincoln Center, you're listening to the close up. This week we're sharing the QA from our special sneak preview screening of A Wrinkle in Time, the Disney epic starring Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kalin, and more. Visionary director Ava DuVernay joined Kent Jones after the screening to talk about her approach to adapting the classic Madeleine L'Engle novel. Let's go to that now.
1: start talking about your amazing actress um, yeah. and
2: just how you found her yeah storm reed um 13 reed, reed, reed. Oh my 13 God. years old from atlanta georgia um and uh really just a, a beautiful spirit you know you you make a movie like this every frame of the film is on her shoulders and uh and she's going to be a, a a star for many years to come and you want something like that to happen to a good girl like a good person she's really the sweetest girl I've ever met fantastic so um but really a tremendous talent to be able to go from like the darkness of Meg at the end of the film to you know ju- jubilation to um you know the reunion with the father and this breaks my heart every time um to the strength at the end of the movie so it's a lot to do when you're 13 years old and she did it
1: yeah. What was, how, how did you find working with her? I mean, you know, did it You know, I think she,
2: she's a most, you know, very deeply rooted actor, and her preparation is, was not dissimilar from working with David Oyelowo as Dr. King and Selma. Yeah. I mean, they, she really took it seriously. She... Yeah. You know, she, um, you know, for child actors, you know, sometimes it might get a little surface, Um, but all three of them were incredible, but Storm particularly just went very deep. I remember one day we were shooting something on the beach, the beach scene, and she came up to me at the end of the day and she said, Miss Ava, which is, I say, Storm, just call me Ava. She's like, no, I can't. Miss Ava. (laughs) Okay, great. Um, Miss Ava, I really, I know we shot all day and you, you think it was good, but that wasn't good today, what I did. And I said, Storm, I'm looking at it. I promise you, it's really good. And she's like, but I wasn't feeling it inside. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we'll do more tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, what are you supposed to say? Yeah. So she really, you know, a deeply, deeply feeling, um, deeply rooted actor.
1: But can I say, that's really true of your whole cast, man. I mean, you know, the, the amount of the conviction and the beauty of, of what they did. And that's not true of most films that are made for... For kids must panic. I I know.
2: I I found that with some kids' films that I'd be watching, sometimes the adults in the films are are kind of um, dialing it in. Yeah. And um, I remember when I first met Chris Pine, I really liked him as a person and I wanted him for the father. And I wondered, is he going to really come with it? Yeah. Man, he came with it. He sure did. Oh my gosh, he really did. So all the actors in the film really were serious about. Um, telling a story about how to battle the darkness of the world with the light within you they all felt really strongly about it so they came every day prepared to tell that story with me
1: hey before we um, open it up to questions from the audience I just I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the difference in the world between the world when Madeline Lengel wrote the novel and now and why you know and what those differences meant to you and the you know the little changes here and there
2: Yeah, it's interesting because she wrote the novel at a time that was, you know, before the March on Selma, before, um, you know, uh, really key parts of American history which have shaped, you know, the very fact that we're all in this theater together and we look the way we look, right? Um, Before the events that happened around the time of this book, good half of us couldn't get in here right? Yeah. And so um, so the fact that the, the events around the time of this novel's publication and writing uh, were really so formative for our country and particularly for my community isn't lost on me. Yeah. And uh, to be able to reflect some of that kind of presence, like yeah. asserting people of color in a space where we've long been absent, the youth fantasy, yeah. um, is um, is exciting when I consider, you know, where the story came from and the time yeah. that it came that it came out of. So yeah, yeah.
1: well, what, <clears throat> I mean, you know, when the novel was written, where we're sitting here was a neighborhood that was demolished. Oh wow. <laughs> that, okay. You can Got see you. it at the beginning of West Side Story. Um, so, um, uh, the. There's also the just a little kind of like nuts and bolts matters of rearrangement of things in the plot and streamlining and stuff like that. And so just say a little word about the Yeah, no, I mean in the
2: book, um so much this book was so foundational to so many movies that we love. Yeah. So basically a lot that's in the book has been ripped off in other films. Like in
1: Back to the Future and stuff like that. Yeah, tons of,
2: the tessering and the time, the the, the warping of time, time, but also just the um, images like a centaur, like a, a lot of the things that are in the book moviegoers have seen before, Um, so really considering how to make the girl fly, you know, in the book, she's on a centaur, a half horse, half woman, Um, but, you know, what could we do to create a creature that felt new and fresh that you haven't seen before? You haven't seen a leaf fly before, but now you have, Um, (laughs) you know, just like you've never seen a black girl fly on a leaf, but now you have, and... um, (laughs) You know, and what and what does a tesser look like? You know, through the whole film I'd had this idea that, you know, you never see Meg Tesser because she she's in pain. She can't do it because she's not one with the universe. And so by the end of the film you finally see inside of a tesser and Mm -hmm. before where there's like ribbons over her face and she can't break through. Um, this time she's you know at one with the universe and she's floating and she's flying, and uh, those sequences, you know, this film is uh, a far cry for anything that I, from anything that I'd done. But just the opportunity and the privilege to make those images and put those images into an American cinematic canon—a yeah. girl, black girl, flying through the universe—was um, worth uh, you know a, a black girl saying to a Caucasian boy, "Do you trust me?" And he says yes, and he follows her. You know, those are things that, um, that I hadn't seen, and I know that perhaps if I had seen them, but also Caucasian boys who grew up to be Caucasian men that I work with in Hollywood, mm-hmm. perhaps if they'd seen them, they might treat people like me a little, little, little differently. And so these are seeds that we plant. These are, are, are seeds, these ideas are seeds that you plant in the minds and hearts of young people at this fertile age, and my hope is that they blossom into, into great people. Mm. Yeah
1: now, if anybody has any questions, that'd be great. And if particularly if you're between the ages of six and 16, which is what how <laughs> uh, we started, oh there's somebody right there who's got a question.
2: Why did you choose to do a wrinkle in time? Um, because I wanted to see a girl be the hero of a movie. She's not a Jedi and she's not a superhero. she's just a regular girl with glasses and a plaid shirt, but she can still do incredible things, just like you can. That's it. Um, my question
0: is why did you wait, yeah, how did you meet Storm Reed?
2: Uh, well, she auditioned, so it's a really hard thing that actors have to do. They have to go into a room with the director and they have to read scenes or pretend to be the actor, uh, pretend to be the character. And there's no costumes and there's nothing around. They just have to pretend. It's really, really hard to do. Uh, and so I saw a lot of different girls, but Storm Reed was my favorite girl. So I chose her to be Meg and she was great every day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, great to-
2: Hi. Hi. My question is, well, because in the majority of the film, there's a lot of scenes that are emotionally taxing for the audience. So I want to know, you know, as the director, what was a certain scene or part that for you was really intense to watch being filmed before your very eyes? Probably when, when she sees her father again. We call it the reunion, the father's reunion. And she sees him and she's not so sure if he sees her. She looks... And he's in the shadow, and he looks, and you're not quite sure if, they, if, if, she, if he recognizes her. And then they come together in the embrace, and she says, Daddy. <laughs> I love that part. And I just thought that was really beautiful. So that was probably the hardest. That was the time um, when I was looking through my camera on the set where I had a little tear.
0: How do you direct Oprah Winfrey? I mean, she's the most powerful person in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've worked with her before, but... How do you tell her what to do?
2: That's a good question. Um, <laughs> this is my second time directing her. I also directed her at Selma. Um, but she's a really nice lady in real life. She's just a nice woman. She's She doesn't make you feel like she's Oprah Winfrey. She doesn't... And, try to intimidate she listens and she asks Ava what do you want me to do so you got to answer the question I mean like can you stand over there and turn that way can you put on this blonde wig can you wear this th- I mean she did everything she was game for it because she loves kids she cares about our young people and she really wanted to tell the story I mean the things that Mrs. Witch says in the film are not very different from the things Oprah's been saying you know for for a long time in terms of being someone who you know really is about being a champion of light in her life and in our lives so um so yeah no she loved playing dress up she loved the clothes she had a smile every day She was a lot of fun yeah it's easy
0: yeah how did you feel about directing all these people
2: all the people people yeah All the people. Um, (laughs) I loved it because it's my job uh, and I love my job. And a director's job is a great job. I get to say and I get to decide everything that happens. I get to work with great friends and they say, hey Ava, what do you think of this wig? What do you think of this costume? Do you think we should put the camera here? Do you want to put the lights here? What do you want to do? And I say, I think I want to do the A, B, and C. And they're like, okay, and they go do it. I mean, it's, it's nice. Um, doesn't quite carry over into my real life. I go home, I say to my family, I want to put the plates here. My mom was like, you yeah, no, no, we put in the plates here. Um, but uh, I go to the gas station, it's like, I like my car filled. They say, lady, fill your car. Um, but, but on the set, I get to decide, and it's a beautiful thing because uh, you want to collaborate with all the great artists, and, and you help them make decisions, and they help you make decisions, and you create, you know, fun things, and um, sometimes emotional things, sometimes educational things, sometimes entertaining things. But whenever you're creating something with friends, um, for me, it's a good time. Yeah. What was that? You're the boss. I am the boss. <laughs> I am. That is correct. I am the boss. Yes. Yes. Your last questions over here. What is the next movie you're going to direct? <laughs> it's not a kids movie. <laughs> it's a New York movie. I'll be uh, shooting here this summer. Uh, uh, a film about a very famous case in New York City. Uh, about a group of kids um, who got into some trouble for something they didn't do. It's called Central Park Five. And um, so uh, we're shooting that film, five hours. It's narrative, we're casting now, and I'm really excited about it. I'll be back here, uh, moving here from May to like September. I'll be a New Yorker for a little while. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, but um, I just want to say, like, I love your work and you're, <laughs> you're a goddess. Um,
1: <laughs> my question is, um, if you could be one of the misses, who would you be?
2: Uh, that's a nice question. Thank you for the kind words. If I could be one of the misses, um, I'd, probably, I'd probably be Mrs. What's It? Because I've always wanted to fly. I could turn into creatures whenever I wanted, and uh, I really like that creature. And I could carry people around, drop people off at school, wherever they wanted to go, I, I got you. Uh, so I really like that. And she's also fun, and uh, she's the youngest, so that's nice. So I, I'd probably say uh, Mrs. What's It? Yeah.
0: What inspired you to make, well, yeah, what inspired you to pick this movie to?
2: Film. um what inspired me to bring this movie to film um well you know for me these th- this is a book that I thought was really beautiful and um it had been made into a film once before um maybe I don't know like 25 30 years ago um so it was time to update it and get some fresh people in it and to think about the misses in a different way to think about meg in a different way and just to bring a really classic book back to life uh in in movies Hi. um, I love your work, first of all. Secondly, um, what would you say to young black girls who want to make films? Make films. Oh, okay. Make films. (laughs) Make films. I mean, truly, everyone in here can make a film. These these are really good cameras. I have a friend, two friends, who made a whole film on their iPhones. Um, It's not like it used to be for someone like Julie Dash, who's one of the foremothers of of cinema, but also black cinema, and with her film Daughters of the Dust, um, where she had to find a 35 millimeter camera with no money try to find the film to go in the camera, then find someone to process that film and find a way to edit that. I mean, now we have everything that we need on laptops, on our phones. Um, You know, there are all kinds of ways to make movies now, all kinds of ways to distribute films. Um, So there's really no excuse. If it's something that you want to do, you can do it. One of the favorite films I've ever made was a film that I made for $10,000. If I said to you right now, I give you a year to come up with $10,000, I think you could do it. I think you could get $10,000 in a year. And so, and so you could crowdfund, you can work, you can borrow, you could sell things. have a great garage sale. I don't know if you guys do that here, but garage sales, whatever you do. You guys don't have garages, huh? Yeah, we do. Some
1: people. Okay. Know, we have a couple garages.
2: Yard sale, <laughs> stoop sale. Yes, yes. And, um, and so just, you know, with whatever you have or with no money at all, turn the camera on your friends and just make film. Yeah. yeah.
1: Somebody down here, yeah, right here.
2: Um, so you mentioned before that in Hollywood sometimes you have to circumvent like, white men and kind of deal with sort of patriarchal influences. Do you have any advice for like, women how to do that? Like how to circumvent negative actors in the scene? I don't know if you can circumvent um, negativity, um, but you can certainly not stoop to the level of negativity. Um, you know, so often I'm in spaces where people just coming at you with bad energy. Doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are, but particularly as black women or women of color or women in certain spaces, it's just a funky energy. You walk in and you're like, okay, you feeling some kind of way about me. That's all right. Um, but do you stoop to that? And do you look at them that way back? I prefer to just make them uncomfortable with how kind I am hello and how are you you know my pet peeve when someone sends an email and they just start talking like yeah uh, so it's at five o'clock I always say and hello to you how are you I think I've done that to you once (laughs) it's like hello Kent and how are you but um so so not true okay no you always say hello you always say dear Ava this is it but um but I just prefer (laughs) to try to be as positive as I can, because it's a ricochet. I believe the energy you put out in the world comes back to you, and sometimes it's really, really hard. Um, but um, you know, I try not to let other people influence my day. A lot of times I fail, but every morning when I wake up, I start again and try to just be a light, be a light to myself, be a light to whoever I encounter. I like making people smile during the day. It's really easy to do. All you have to do is smile at them and they smile back at it's crazy try just smiling at people tomorrow and people sometimes people be like oh hi and it's have you ever had someone smile at you but then they passed you before you could smile back like like you're just like oh I wish I could go back and smile back at you these are just the things that just make the day a little bit lighter I also count gratitude there's so many nice things that happen during the day that if you walk out of a meeting or someone's being rude you just start to count and Count the things that are great, you know. The cab stopped for you. I'm trying to think of New York things. I don't know. The cab stopped for you. The the subway came on time. I don't know. New York things. You know, good things. It doesn't snow. I don't know. Whatever happens here, and um, all the good things. You count them, and you you just um, you know remind yourself to be grateful. Yeah.
1: Maybe was you. Yeah, we'll do one or two more, and if there's anybody on okay, the
2: okay, two more questions. And the, the, the back, back, back. back, back. We'll do go. one in the in the back, and we'll yep, do one right more there. at the in the middle. This gentleman right here. So in the back with five first. people pointing at him. <laughs> she wants to know how did you make the characters fly in the film? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's my favorite thing to make people fly. Meg flies how many times? I already held up the thing. Meg Meg flies two times. Do you know the two times that she flew? She flew on Mrs. What's It, very good, and she flew again at the end, when? When she tested home, and it's the best thing. So we put, we use magic tricks, I don't want to tell you how, because then you, you'll be looking for wires and stuff, but, but we use magic tricks of, of movies to, to bring uh, Storm Reid, the actress, up in the air and so that she can fly, and um, it takes about two years to make, um, but we spend every day doing it so that you can have fun at the movies. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. yes.
1: You were scouting locations when you came here for 13th, Oh, right? was I? Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. wow, was wow. two years ago, so in the middle, last question.
2: How right. old are you, sir? Nine. All right. All right. What's your name? Justin. Justin. He's nine. What's your question, Justin? My question is, how do you feel about changing them to the planets? How do I feel about changing what at the planets? Like where they went. Okay. So in uh they it was fun to change through the different worlds of the planets. First we went to we went to three different planets. We started on Earth, then we went to Uriel, very good. Then we went to Orion. Somebody said Orion, that's the foggy planet. Then we went to. Camazots. That's the crazy planet where every five minutes it changes what it looks like because it's trying to trick you into being a mean, bad person, right? Just like the darkness in the world tries to trick you when you wake up in the morning, make you a mean, bad person. But we have to let our light shine. Let your light shine. That's the message. Thanks for watching the movie. It comes out on Friday. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you all and be safe tonight. Get home before it snows. Bye!
0: The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Michael Odemark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a non-profit arts organization based in New York City, supported by individuals just like you.